This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington this Saturday afternoon on the American Family Radio Network. It's great to have you with me today. A lot of stuff to cover today going on in Washington, D.C., once again, glad to have you with me. Uh, I, my, my name is Walker Wildman, and I'm the host here of Exposing Washington. A lot of stuff to talk about, but before we get into the show today and a lot of the content, let me just cover a few basic steps that I cover each week. First off, as of about two weeks ago, we are now on YouTube. So if you want to watch the show, watch Exposing Washington, you can do so on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and type in Exposing Washington. And there you can uh, you can find the show and watch each show uh, each Saturday afternoon on the American Family Radio Network. A couple more ways to keep up with the show is to visit our podcast page at AFR.net. Podcast page at AFR.net. You can also download the podcast on your smart device and listen to it at your own convenience. Download it on your phone or your tablet Listen to it whenever, wherever, so long as you have an internet connection. Lastly, you can follow me on Twitter, at Walker Wildman on Twitter. And many ways to keep up with the show. Well, we're going to talk about a lot of different things today, all kind of revolving around the same subject. Um, but before I get into this stuff, I just want you to know that, you know, oftentimes it seems that if you listen to the show each week, sometimes it seems that we cover the same material every so often. And, and I want you to know that that is intentional because some of these things that are going on in our country, they deserve to be covered and talked about until, some kind of, until there's some kind of resolution. Because if, if we only cover corruption one time and then move on, then nobody else is going to talk about it. Nobody else is going to talk about it, and it'll be forgotten. It'll go down in the history books, and no, no kind of justice will come from it. And so I find it important to continually cover some of these issues so that one day, hopefully, prayerfully, there will be some type of justice done when it comes to criminal activity, etc. And so one, one of the main goals today on the show is as I want to expose the faulty foundation the faulty evidence behind the entire Russia narrative and I also want to show that we can't always trust what powerful people in our government tell us one of the first examples here and this news broke this week and that is the fact that China hacked Hillary Clinton's email server. The Chinese government had full access to Hillary Clinton's emails while she was Secretary of State. 
and we'll cover that more in a little bit towards the end of the show. But one of the first main examples uh, that, that, that was exposed this week of how, you know, people in our government aren't always trustworthy. This is Representative Mark Meadows. This is clip one. Mark Meadows revealed a, a, a strategy that the FBI had been using in years past to get these, these spy warrants to spy on American citizens. Let's listen to clip one. We know that some people at the Department of Justice and FBI actually gave information to the media. Then the stories were reported. Then they used those reports to justify further investigations. You know, that, that's like saying, well, we're going to incriminate one, on one hand and, and be the jury on the other. It just doesn't work that way. So we believe that uh, we'll get some clarity on that today. We have some hard evidence that will be hard to refute. What's, a, what's at stake here? You know, I think our, really our republic and, and the integrity of the FBI and DOJ is at stake, Sarah. When we really look at it, 99% of the DOJ and FBI uh, workers are, are truly great patriots. And yet we have about seven or eight that took things into their own hand. And so it's the credibility of, of really Lady Justice that should have a blindfold. And yet we're seeing that they were peeking and trying to tilt justice one way or another based on their own political bias well does that sound familiar that was the theme of my show last week that folks in powerful position at the department of justice are removing the blindfold from lady justice and that's what representative mark meadows of north carolina sanders smith what he's talking about there is there are there is new evidence that top fbi officials what they would do here is, to simplify this, is they would, they would leak information to media outlets and then in return, the media outlet would report the, 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 what, what, the information that they were told by FBI officials. The media would then publish an article or report on it and they would base it on, quote, anonymous sources, the anonymous sources being FBI officials. Then the FBI would use that news article article that they originated, they would use that news article in a warrant to spy on American citizens, such as Carter Page and other associates in the Donald Trump's campaign for president. And you know what that's called? It's called circular sourcing. It's a it's it's a it's a very frowned upon practice amongst law enforcement officials circular sourcing and so you know the fbi might act like well we got two or three four different sources saying the same thing in reality it's only one source it's the fbi official doing the leaking for example i can't tell one person one thing tell two other people the same thing and say that there's four different sources me this person and two other people over here no there's one source and it's me there's one originating source, and it's me. And in this example, it's one originating source, and it's these FBI officials. But they were using news articles. Not, not to mention, not only is this circular sourcing, it is also, I, I've never heard of law enforcement using media reports to, to gain warrants. I mean, since when has the media become the end-all, be-all when it comes to absolute truth? And so it's just baffling. So not only are they, 
Are they leaking information to the media to get spying warrants? But they're using media outlets as the basis of these of these uh, uh, warrants, these search warrants. Absolutely, absolutely appalling. Along the same lines, another thing was another uh, fact was revealed this week or was re- reiterated this week. And that is the fact that when the FBI during the 2016 campaign, when FBI officials talked about a, quote, insurance policy within the Federal Bureau of Investigation, they were talking about an insurance policy should should candidate Trump win the presidency. And someone who's who reiterated this this week is Representative Daryl Issa. Let's listen to clip two. After he was the president-elect, the famous insurance policy went into effect that clearly led to the special prosecutor in the investigation we're now seeing. And this is what we're uncovering, is the pre-Muller activity that created an environment in which many people, myself included, were willing to deal with a special prosecutor not knowing all the lies the American people in Congress had been told. So Representative Daryl Issa there, He's somehow, you know, the, 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 he's seeing the light, so to speak. He's saying, all right, you know, I kind of, I kind of see now that this whole Russia investigation is, is built on a faulty foundation. It was all put on by people who hated Donald Trump. And so there you have it. Uh, but, but along the same lines, moving on here a little bit, and I, the whole basis of this investigation is, is built. It's built on these claimed facts. That being that Russia, that the Russian government, Vladimir Putin, that his his uh, his allies, if you will, his government, hacked into multiple political campaign servers and email accounts in an effort to help Donald Trump win the election. That's that's the narrative and that's what the entire Russia investigation is built on at its foundation. But I've always been skeptical about buying into this claim that Russia's responsible for all of this. That it was Russia who hacked into all these, these accounts and these servers. From day one, I've been, been skeptical as to whether that's even the truth. As to whether that's even the truth, which makes me even more skeptical of whether Donald Trump had anything to do with it, which I don't believe he did. But Obama loyalists, establishment Republicans, and others claim that it was undoubtedly the Russian government that hacked the Democratic National Committee server and that hacked John Podesta's emails. But I think there's a high chance that the American people have been intentionally misled by the elites in Washington, D.C. I believe there's something here that we're not being told. And here's several reasons that I'm skeptical, and this this stuff's going to blow your mind, so hang with me. The first reason that I'm skeptical of that, that it was even Russia from the beginning is that, first, the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, They never granted the FBI access to review their server and collect evidence regarding the alleged hacking. And so the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, claims 
that it was the Russians who hacked their servers and stole their emails and then leaked them to the public. But according to all the reports that I have, the DNC never let the FBI in to examine their servers and say, okay, it was Russia. So we're, we're basing it on the word of the DNC and some third-party firm that they hired. So that's the first reason that I'm skeptical on whether it was really Russia or not. The second reason is that WikiLeaks, who released the DNC emails, they've said that it wasn't the Russians and it was nobody even related to the Russians. And one news story to that, 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 that reaffirms that theory that it was not the Russians who hacked the DNC is this, dates, this news story dates back to 2016. Craig Murray, the, the, the media outlet is the Daily Mail. I'll post this on the podcast page at AFR.net. But Craig Murray, who's a former British ambassador to Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan, and a close associate of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange told the DailyMail.com that he flew to Washington, D.C. for a clandestine handoff with one of the email sources in September of 2016. Here's a quote from Craig Murray, the, the source here. He says, Neither of the leaks came from the Russians. The source of the leaks had legal access to the information. The documents came from inside leaks, not hacks. This is someone close to WikiLeaks who actually had their hands on all of the emails. And so that, that right there raises questions for me. The, the folks who actually received the emails, they're saying... It was not the Russians. As a matter of fact, we met somebody in the woods outside of Washington, D.C., near American University, and we, we were hand-delivered the emails from a disgruntled DNC employee and former Bernie Sanders supporter. And guess who that might be? A young man by the name of Seth Rich. Many of you remember the Seth Rich story. Seth Rich worked for the DNC. He was a Bernie Sanders supporter. And a couple months after the election, he ends up dead, or it may have been before the election, sometime in 2016, randomly, in quotes, randomly, he ends up dead in some back alley in Washington, D.C., he was out watching uh, out at a bar or some some gathering with his girlfriend and he left and, and walked home and he was he was allegedly mugged in some back alley in Washington DC and I'm going to connect the dots here so this all makes sense but Seth Rich was an IT was an, was an basically a technology aide for the DNC so that raises the question, did Seth Rich have access to the DNC emails? Let's just say hypothetically he got upset because Bernie Sanders lost, basically had the thing stolen from him. The primary, the DNC primary, stolen from him, Bernie Sanders did. 
So let's just say hypothetically Seth Rich is mad because Hillary Clinton stole the primary from Bernie Sanders. And so he says, well, I'm just going to revolt. I'm going to download all these DNC emails that I have access to. And I'm going to hand them off to WikiLeaks or somebody else so they can release them to the public in hopes of damaging Hillary Clinton. I'm just saying that's a possibility. And not to mention Seth Rich, when the police discovered his body, he still had his cell phone, he still had his watch, he still had his wallet. So he, so he wasn't mugged. They claim, the police claim it was, it was a robbery gone wrong. But what robbery suspect leaves the wallet, the cell phone, and the, and, the, and the watch. That just doesn't make sense. So could it be that Seth Rich was murdered by a Hillary Clinton associate or someone who didn't like that he leaked the emails? Could that be the case? I don't know. But it, it raises another question as to whether it was really Russia who leaked the DNC, DNC emails or not. The third aspect of this story is this. Let's listen to clip three. This is Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks. And he's saying, he's explaining how someone gained access to John Podesta's emails. Let's listen. We published the, uh, several Podesta emails, which shows uh, Podesta uh, responding to a phishing email. Now, how did they respond? Uh, Podesta gave out. Uh, that his password was the word password. Mm. Uh, his uh, own staff said, this email that you've received, uh, this is totally legitimate. So, so this is something a 14-year-old kid, a 14-year-old kid uh, could have hacked. All right, so track with me here. That was Julian Assange in an interview in 2016 with Sean Hannity on Fox News. And so, you have, you have two separate issues here. You have the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, their servers were, quote, hacked, or someone gained access to their servers somehow, and then they leaked those emails to WikiLeaks. Then a separate issue over here, you have John Podesta. His emails were stolen somehow his gmail accounts emails were stolen somehow so you have two different uh, issues here where emails were stolen and so moving on to the john podesta example his emails were, were leaked to wikileaks also julian assange there he said that john podesta's password was guess what password his password to his gmail email account was password and so could it be that someone did not hack, in quotes, John Podesta's emails, they just logged in. They just guessed the right password and they logged into his email account and downloaded all of the emails. Could that be? I think it's very, very possible. So that's another reason. That's the third reason that I question whether Russia had anything to do with this whether Russia had anything to do with this. And I would not be surprised if it came out in a year or two that Russia had nothing to do with any of this. Russia had nothing to do with any of this. Last thing on this topic is the fact that even CNN, and I'll post a news article on the podcast page, 
But even CNN, when reporting the John Podesta email leak, they even said halfway through the article, we don't know who gained access to John Podesta's emails. And so the whole time the media is going Russia, 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 halfway through the article, which nobody reads even halfway through the article, CNN says, well, we don't really know if it was Russia or not. Interesting piece to that story. The last topic that I want to talk about here in the last few minutes of the show is this, what I teased at the beginning of the show. And that is that China, it is now being reported that China had full access to Hillary Clinton's private email server in New York while she was Secretary of State. But let's flash back. Let's go back to 2016. Let's listen to a Catherine Herridge Fox News report. This is clip four. Let's listen. Fox News has obtained this May 2016 FBI email that is cited in the congressional memo. FBI agent Peter Strzok in the email tells senior FBI executives that it goes too far to say hostile actors gained access to then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's private email account. But he continues, it is more accurate to say we know foreign actors obtained access to some of her emails, including at least one secret, so that's a high level of classification, via compromises of the private email accounts of some of her staffers. That's important to note for some context that when Comey made his public statement in July of 2016, he said it was perhaps likely that the emails were compromised, but no direct evidence had been found. That's why this email we have today appears so significant. Well, that, that's if you heard that right there, you have to listen to these details. That was a report. That was a flashback. That was a report from two years ago. Where Catherine Herridge is saying on Fox News, she's she's saying that the FBI knew when they were investigating Hillary Clinton's email server set up in her bathroom in New York, they knew that a foreign actor had accessed the email account. That was known by the FBI. Fast forward. July of 2016. James Comey is testifying before Congress and he says it was, quote, likely that a foreign actor gained access to the email account. Whoa, 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 James Comey. Your own FBI's internal emails say that they did gain access and then you fast forward a few months and you say that it's likely that they gained access. Which one is it? Well, it turns out that China did gain access to Hillary Clinton's private email server while she was Secretary of State. And James Comey is trying to mislead the public in that hearing in 2016 by saying, well, it was likely. No, sir, your own department said that they did. And all the evidence now shows that Chinese government did have access to Hillary Clinton's server. But here's how they had access. This is very, very important. Reading directly from the news story, the original news story from the Daily Caller, a Chinese-owned company operating in the Washington, D.C. area hacked Hillary Clinton's email server through her term as Secretary of State, throughout her term as Secretary of State, and obtained nearly all of her emails. Two sources briefed on the matter told the Daily Caller News Foundation. Moving on here. The Chinese firm obtained Clinton's emails in real time as she sent and received them through her private server, her personal server. 
according to the sources, who, who also said that the hack, hacking was conducted as part of an intelligence operation. Moving on, last paragraph, the Chinese, the Chinese wrote code that was embedded in the server, which was kept in Clinton's residence in upstate New York. The code generated an instant, quote, quote, courtesy copy for nearly all of her emails and forwarded them to the Chinese company, according to the sources. Well, this Chinese company was set up, they set up shop in, in Virginia, in Northern Virginia. So you have this, the, you have Hillary Clinton's emails while she's Secretary of State, top classified information going through, through, through her email server. And the Chinese government is receiving a courtesy copy of every single email that she sent and received. This is absolutely baffling, and the FBI knew of this, and they ignored it. They knew of this, and they failed to report on it. And so all of this information, all of these facts lead me to believe, lead me to be skeptical of whether it was actually Russia or not. Because we have... The D, you, you add this up, you have the DNC not allowing the FBI to, to review their servers to see if it was Russia. You have WikiLeaks saying, one of our guys met with one of the DNC employees and he gave us the emails. Basically, I'm summarizing there, I'm paraphrasing. Then lastly, you have this report that the Chinese government had full access to Hillary Clinton's email server while she was Secretary of State. So that wasn't the Russians, obviously. And so I'm, I, I'm almost betting that the Russians had little to nothing to do with this. And that's, when Pres that's why President Trump on the campaign trail, he said, look, it could have been Russia. It could have been anybody. We don't know who it was that hacked Hillary Clinton's email server. We don't know who it was that hacked the DNC because they won't let the FBI in to look at it. And the FBI's whole excuse in all of this when it comes to the Clinton email server is that they didn't have sufficient materials to review. <laughs> you want to know why that is? That's because Hillary Clinton's associates took her server out back in, behind the house I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but they took the server out back and they smashed it up with baseball bats and they took what is called bleach bit and they tried to clear all of her email servers and all of, all of, the, all of the hardware because there obviously was stuff on her email server that she didn't want the FBI and others to see. And so a lot, a lot of, a lot of, lot of fishy stuff going on in Washington DC and has gone on the past few years there and I just know that we need to be very careful about believing everything that our government tells us because sometimes what they tell us turns out to be absolutely false. Thanks for tuning in to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. More information on our podcast page at AFR.net. We'll talk next week.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.